and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivakowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Brady Quinn looking, pump fakes, he rolls to the near side, throws it, it's caught by Samaja, inside the 20, inside the 10, he's going in, Notre Dame has scored! Jones is the back, he's got it again, and Jones a letter room, Tony Jones makes a cut, gets a block, and scores! Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's going on, and welcome to the show. This is Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack, joined as always by Luke Smith. And folks, it's Clemson week. Uh, This game has been circled on all of our calendars for a very long time. And despite the rocky season for the Irish this far, there's plenty at stake in this one as the fourth-ranked Clemson Tigers come to town to play Notre Dame in prime time. Today, we're going to discuss what this game means to us, the team, and the program at large before we break down Clemson's personnel and tell you what you need to know about this matchup before the game on Saturday. And then we'll answer your questions uh, that you, the fans, sent us in our DMs. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question. We got a lot of really good ones to get to today, so we appreciate it. Uh, but Luke, right off the bat, how are you feeling about this game now that we're just two days away? This is as excited as I've been about a game this year, and I think that includes Ohio State. I think that one, there was a lot more anxiety just because I knew uh, I was going to be at a wedding and I wasn't going to be at the game itself. Uh, And look, Notre Dame, I don't feel like they have a whole lot to lose in this one. Um, And there's a lot to gain potentially by it. It's going to be a fun one and I'm really jacked up for it. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Another thing that you mentioned in that Ohio State game, it felt like such a mismatch. Even though it was a top five matchup, just looking at how good Ohio State was on paper, it was it was hard to get super excited. Uh, I mean, obviously, the opportunity to play a top five team in Columbus was exciting, but just understanding what was at play, whereas Clemson is very beatable, I think, in this case. And even though they're ranked fourth in the initial CFP rankings and they're undefeated, I feel like Notre Dame definitely has a path to victory here, at least a much clearer one than they had in the season opener. Certainly. I mean, if you ask Michigan fans, uh, Notre Dame has a fantastic chance to beat them because Michigan fans are very upset about the fact that Clemson was slotted ahead of them in the initial CFP rankings. But definitely, they're gettable, and I think that makes it exciting. And there's a little bit of a history here with Clemson, just in recent history, and I think we can build off that. We've only won one of those games, but there's a chance to get that up to number two, and and all of them, except, well, Actually, that's not really true. I should say two of them were very fun. Two were not so fun, but uh, this one has the potential to be a fun one. I agree. I love it. I really wish I could go there. I know I'm going to have some severe FOMO when I'm watching the game at work on Saturday. But hey, real quick, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, uh, this is your reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't done so already. And hey, if you feel so inclined, spread the good word of this podcast to your friends and family because we greatly appreciate the support. So here's a quick word from our sponsors before we dive into the matchup. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, Everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. 
Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Speaking of which, how are uh, how are you feeling about that Cavs prediction a, a few games into the season? So far, so good. Cavs 2-1. and one. Darius Garland got hurt in the season opener, and I thought, oh boy, this season might be over. Uh, but he's good. He's going to be back in a few games, and Donovan Mitchell is as advertised. How are you feeling about the Bulls? Well, uh, they announced about two days before, or maybe it was the day before the opener, that Zach Levine would be on a load management schedule, and that resulted in him not playing in the opener or the second game of the year. He's not playing back-to-backs. Not really sure how that happens at the start of the year after you just super maxed him, but um, whatever. <laughs> um, it's going to be an interesting year. <laughs> All right, well, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOS. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code SOS. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode of Sons of Saturday is supported by DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing active wear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. Okay, Luke, you kind of already alluded to it, but why don't you set the stage for us here? This will be the fifth time these teams have played each other in the past decade. Previous five are all hugely important games in terms of the national college football picture. Maybe not this one as much, uh, but there's this is still a huge game for a bunch of different reasons. Totally. It's the first time in, in those five matchups that both teams won't be ranked in the top 15 and Really, all four of the, the previous matchups were very close to being top 10 matchups. Of course, <clears throat> you had the 2015 one down in Death Valley. Hurricane Joaquin uh, had a big impact on that one. Notre Dame was ranked sixth, Clemson 12th. That was kind of the end of Clemsoning. That was really Clemson's kind of coming to the forefront moment when they won that game on a failed two point conversion. Then, of course, you had the college football playoff, the epic 2020 game against EJ um, Uyunglele in, in 2020, the unfortunate 
ACC championship game. Um, but I guess this one, um, it, this one has the potential to, to be a lot of fun. And I've always had really good experiences with Clemson fans, honestly. So I don't really have a lot of bad things to say about them. I know a lot of people don't like Dabo Sweeney. I can kind of appreciate that he's still authentically himself in this era of college football that is um, – Probably not what he really likes, but I, I have a lot of respect for what they've done over there, and, I, and I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I, I think the phrase mutual respect has already been thrown around between these two programs, and I get it. I feel like if Notre Dame is going to be at the the mountaintop of college football, if they're going to most closely resemble a program, it's Clemson. Like They're not going to ever be Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, but Clemson has shown that they can win national championships. And I don't know if people still consider them in the top tier but again, this is an undefeated fourth-ranked team that we're talking about here. So it's a big, big deal when they come to town. And we're, we've gotten a lot of questions about the atmosphere, so we'll get into that later and what that might look like on Saturday. Uh, but as for the actual matchup on the field, how are you feeling about this one? I think they're very gettable, and I think that the the line set by Vegas reflects that. I think it's at three and a half right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you see with that is that Vegas is taking how they actually value Notre Dame despite those losses um, to Marshall and Stanford. They think they're better than their record indicates, which I would probably agree with, at least on paper. At the same time, they probably also are taking into account that they're not sure that Clemson is definitively a top five team. And as we mentioned kind of in the intro here, uh, we think that these are probably two maybe not totally evenly matched teams, but pretty close. Um, and it should be a competitive, close game. So I feel pretty good. I think Notre Dame has some ways to to really insert their will in this game, and, and we'll see what happens. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's look at Clemson's offense first. So they have a new offensive coordinator this season. His name is Brandon Streeter. He was elevated after Tony Elliott took the head coaching job at Virginia. Quick aside, it is bizarre to me. Uh, that Clemson's offense is significantly better this year than they were last year with the new OC because Tony Elliott is very highly respected in the coaching industry. And his offense at Virginia, I know you follow the program a little bit closely, they're horrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. God-awful. You saw that Miami game last week, 14-12 to in four overtimes, (laughs) no touchdowns. Um, Quite bad. And really, even if you go back to 2020 when Elliott was the only offensive coordinator after Jeff Scott left, I think you saw some regression there, even with Trevor Lawrence, and you've kind of seen some of Trevor Lawrence's struggles in the NFL. It, it makes you wonder, is Tony Elliott really all he was cracked up to be, or was he kind of um, going by with, with some of those co-OCs that he worked with over the years? Yeah, I bet your job as an offensive coordinator is a lot easier when you go from having Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback. I think that helps a little bit. As for Clemson's current quarterback, DJ Uyunglele. Uh, every Notre Dame fan remembers what he did to Notre Dame in 2020 and only his second career start. And I think that game has sort of carried or has sort of impacted the expectations for uh, DJ ever since. And honestly, last year, we all know, was pretty disappointing. This year, slow start, didn't look great uh, against Georgia Tech in that season opener, but then he really turned it around. He looked great against Wake Forest, looked great against NC State. But then somewhat out of nowhere, I would say, he he really took a step back against Syracuse, and then he got benched for five-star freshman Cade Klubnik. Cade comes in and sort of righted the shit for Clemson, but it wasn't because of anything that he was doing through the air. I think he only finished two of four passing, and 
after the game, Dabo Sweeney was emphatic that DJ was going to be the starter for this one. Is DJ going to play the whole game? I guess it is going to have a lot to do with his performance in Notre Dame, uh, defensive performance as well. As for running back, they're loaded. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, they got a guy named Will Shipley. Uh, he's pretty good in Phil Maffa. Their tandem isn't like a traditional thunder and lightning where one back is sort of the speed elusive back and the other is just the in between the tackles sort of grinded out guy they're kind of more like thunder and thunder I don't know if you've noticed this Luke but Will Shipley looks huge now he runs hard and if if one of those backs is going to break it it's Shipley but he just looks different I, I don't know have you kind of noticed that at all Definitely. He's definitely put on some serious muscle and, and runs really physically. Um, it's funny you say the thunder and thunder thing because I think maybe going into this year, we would have thought of Notre Dame as having a thunder and lightning type package with Audric Estime as the thunder and either Chris Tyree or even Logan Diggs as the lightning. But Diggs has really adapted his running style and he's kind of just a power back now too, really running in between the tackles. So I think there are some similarities there. Of course, those two were the... Uh, the backup backup plan after Notre Dame <laughs> did not land Will Shipley. So I think it's worked out okay for Notre Dame. That's not to say that we wouldn't want Will Shipley on this team because we certainly would. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's He looks a lot different than the guy I remember when, when we were heavily recruiting him. And, uh, and that brings me to another point here. And you and I talked a little bit about this offline. The last time that Notre Dame had a player who they very publicly recruited and missed on or either had a commitment from and then ultimately decommitted, at least of this caliber. The last one you and I could think of was Elijah Hood, and the only other name that comes to mind uh, right now is Ronald Darby. But have you been able to think of any other instances in the past couple days? I've not, and um, Elijah Hood did play very well against Notre Dame, but I don't know if he's quite on the same level as Will Shipley. Uh, Ronald Darby was a really good college cornerback, so obviously different positions, so kind of a hard comparison. But those are really the only two that come to mind where it's a very public recruitment, and in those two cases, commitments, um, and it did not go Notre Dame's way. I guess that could change um, in a couple of years uh, if Peyton Bowen goes to A&M. But um, let's not speak that into existence. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't even want to go there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, even if you didn't follow Notre Dame recruited, everyone knew about Will Shipley, and it seemed like a perfect match for Notre Dame. But – He's from North Carolina. He opted with Clemson, and he will be wearing white and orange this Saturday. Uh, as for wide receiver, when you think of like the great Clemson teams in recent years, uh, they've always had at least one just absolute game changer at wide receiver. Mike Williams was the guy when they had Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Then it was T. Higgins, Justin Ross, and even Hunter Renfro. Uh, they don't really have that caliber of player in this receiving core, but they're still pretty solid at the position overall. Antonio Williams is their leading receiver, but they spread it around the group. Uh, Williams has 20 receptions for 364 yards as their lead receiver. And for the sake of comparison, that's only five more catches and 72 more yards than Lorenzo Styles has put up for Notre Dame. So the other two guys, Joseph Ngata and Bo Collins, they're big wideouts, like physically big, uh, who can hurt you over the top and on jump balls. They're both at least 6'3" and over 200 pounds, and have combined for 38 catches for 614 yards and six touchdowns a season. They love to use their tight ends, too. They got two good ones in Davis Allen and Jake Brinningstool. I think that's his last name. Kind of unfortunate, to be honest. Uh, but, Luke, I'll throw it back to you here. Which of these skill guys are you most concerned about if you're Notre Dame? I think we've seen uh, Ngata in the past, and he, he did hurt us a little bit in that 2020 game, or at least he was some guy that we were aware of. 
they don't terrify me though in the passing game. Um, and I guess the thing that I have here is you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but DJ's expectations were set so highly because of his performances against Boston College and Notre Dame in 2020. And because of that, I think that's why I've never fully quit on him. I've always expected him to come all the way back around. And hey, um, it's been a conversation all year. Is this secondary good? Are they not good? I don't know. Uh, Saturday night's going to be a big test because you got to believe that DJ's going to come in and say, I, I, I have actually burned these guys in the past. <laughs> I got Tariq Bracey bench two years ago. So who says I can't do it again? Yeah. The thing that concerns me about DJ is his running ability. Uh, he's not mm. a great scrambler. I shouldn't say that. He just doesn't scramble that often, but he gets the ball and designed runs probably as much as any big-time quarterback uh, in NCAA right now because they like to run him, and they like to run him often, especially in short-yardage situations. And uh, so far this season, Notre Dame's defense hasn't been all that great at bringing uh, bringing down a running quarterback. But we'll see how they utilize him on Saturday. If Notre Dame is going to have an advantage uh, going up against this Clemson offense, I think it's going against their offensive line. They're not bad by any stretch. But they're just—they're not great either. I'd consider them to be slightly above average. They do have a really good left tackle and fifth-year senior Jordan McFadden. He has 33 career starts and hasn't given up a sack this year. On the other side of the line, they start a true freshman at right tackle and Blake Miller, who's from Strongsville, Ohio, which is like 15 minutes from where I used to live. Great town name. <laughs> it is. Uh, but we never really did like the Mustangs in my family. As a matter of fact, my cousin just ended their season last weekend. So okay. shout out Jack Wojak, his first shout out on this podcast. Another thing about Miller, though, is he wasn't even a top 200 player. So it's a little bit surprising that they're starting a true freshman. As for their interior offensive line, it's not great. I don't normally like referencing PFF grades on this podcast because there's so many times where I look at something PFF puts out there and I'm like, what is this? This makes no sense to anyone who actually watched the game. Uh, But I'm going to use it here because I'm not the most knowledgeable when it comes to the offensive line. They have a left guard, Walker Parks. He graded really low, like exceptionally low and their center will Putnam isn't graded much higher so if Notre Dame is going to attack anywhere it's probably on the interior offensive line however Clemson likes to spread it out basically to sort of avoid teams from trying to just blitz up the middle they'll spread you out and then once you start to creep the safeties up if they start running the ball over and over they like to hit you deep and DJ certainly has the arm talent to do so so all that being said Luke how do you think Notre Dame's defense is going to fare against Clemson's offense so yeah you mentioned their tendency to, to spread teams out. But I, I think if I'm Notre Dame in this one, I go about it much similar to how Clark Lee and the defense did in, in that first matchup in 2020. I think you got to focus on stopping the run and making DJ beat you. Um, now, like we said, we don't know how good this secondary really is. They kind of struggled last week. But I think I'd take my chances and not allow Will Shipley to get going because that's really how, how they were able to come back in that Syracuse game and then really just rode him to the finish line there. I think you key on that, and if it's not working, then adjust. But I think you got to really focus on stopping the run here. And Notre Dame, for the most part, I said this in the last episode, outside of the Marshall game, has done a pretty good job at stopping the run this year. So I think that that's where the focus starts, um, but, but that's just kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, I don't really see a scenario where Clemson just lights it up offensively. Notre Dame's defense has, you know, they've had their ups and downs this year, but overall the group has been solid, and I think they'll have their good performance on Saturday. But uh, what can you tell us about Clemson's defense? So it's interesting, in in doing more research on Clemson's defense, um, I found that Clemson fans don't appear to be very pleased with how their defense has been this year, um, at a minimum. 
they feel that it has underachieved. It's, it's not a Brent Venables defense, but they're still a top 20 defense by most metrics. Wes Goodwin is the defensive coordinator now. Um, honestly, that name kind of sounds like a guy who should be like a high school basketball coach in Indiana. Um, I, I don't know. That's what I was going for. But he's their D.C. Extremely talented front seven. There's first-round picks all over the defensive line. And Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, uh, the defensive tackle Tyler Davis, and five-star K.J. Henry and Xavier Thomas. It's also the healthiest they've been all year, so Notre Dame will get them at pretty much full strength. Sweet. Yeah, it's going to be going to be great. Um, and actually, in that first 2020 matchup, I think Tyler Davis was out at least for a half. I don't think Xavier Thomas played in that game, so we were able to take advantage of that in, in that one. Um, at linebacker, Clemson has an extremely athletic group. Thankfully, there's there's no just tool in a cowboy collar with shitty <laughs> tattoos in the mold of Ben Bulware or James Skowski. Skowski did they did finally say you can't be here anymore. You got to move on. So at least you don't have to look at that all game. Um, but these guys probably on paper have more talent. Although I'm not sure they've achieved the level of, of that group yet. Um, but you got Trenton Simpson, Jeremiah Trotter, and Barrett Carter. They're all very good players. So. We'll see how Notre Dame attacks them on the ground, um, and I think that is how Notre Dame is going to attack them. It's, it's going to be a challenge, but that's kind of why I have some confidence is that it seems Notre Dame's found an identity, and, and maybe it's not by choice. It's by necessity because of Drew Pine's struggles, but they're going to have to try to run the ball, and I'm, I'm eager to see how that goes. Um, that said, secondary is definitely the weakness of this defense. There isn't a Mackenzie Alexander, a Trayvon Mullen, or, or even a Darion Kendrick who eventually ended up at, at Georgia, but that we've been accustomed to when we see these Clemson teams. They've, they've kind of been bullied at times through the air. Sam Hartman really ate them alive, 337 yards and six touchdowns. We saw what he did last week um, against Louisville, so it's not like he's bulletproof. Um, but hell, even Furman threw for 259 and, and Louisiana Tech um, threw for, I think, 300 as well. So they rank 86th nationally in passing yards allowed per game. That's quite a, a juxtaposition compared to their uh, seventh-ranked defense nationally on the ground. Um, so that's kind of where I do, as harsh as I've been on him. Despite all his faults, Drew Pine has had some moments against bad passing defenses this year. Uh, UNC and BYU come to mind. Can that guy who has shown confidence at times, can he find that confidence and hit some shots on Saturday night? That's going to be critical if Notre Dame has a chance in this game. I do expect them to be able to run the ball, but he's going to have to hit some shots. Like Remember, Javon McKinley had the game of his life in 2020 against Clemson. Avery Davis was a relative unknown, but he etched his name into Notre Dame lore that night, torching that secondary as well. Yeah, without a doubt, Notre Dame's receivers and their quarterback needs to step up in a big way to have any chance in this game on Saturday because, as you pointed out, their front seven is stout. I don't care what Clemson fans say about, uh, I guess, their overall disappointment in this group. That just has more to say about how good they've been in the past and just how dominant their defensive lines have been. Like This is a good problem for them to have now. For Notre Dame, yeah, it's it's not an ideal matchup on the outside, but Wake Forest and NC State were able to pass. Wake Forest especially. They were passing at will on these Clemson DBs. And I got to imagine that Lindsey in particular is finally going to catch a break and get a deep ball because Notre Dame's had opportunities, uh, especially lately with Lindsey, where he's been wide open and Pine hasn't been able to hit him. He absolutely has to do it on Saturday. And I'm hopeful that if Notre Dame could get into some situations early on where Pine hits a couple short intermediate passes and he's able to build his confidence up 
I think that actually might be enough to carry him in, later on in the game and then finally connect in a deep ball that Notre Dame is going to desperately need uh, in order to move the ball and win this game. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see if Lindsey even plays. Kind of confusing last week why he saw so little action on offense while still being featured on special teams. But that's going to be critical, whether it's him or Merriweather. Hey, maybe even Lorenzo Styles. Um, they're going to have to hit a couple shots. Not that they should take a million shots, but they're going to have to hit a couple. But I do think it'll be fascinating to watch Notre Dame's offensive line go up against a stout defensive line because – Let's be honest, when Notre Dame has played really good competition in the past, going back the last seven, eight years, even some of those really good lines they've had um, with Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey and Liam Eikenberg and Robert Hainsey, they haven't always played great against great competition. Uh, I think the 2020 game one against Clemson is a bit of an outlier in that in that sense. We mentioned Clemson was missing some guys that night, but this is a big task. Like, Has this group really improved, or is it kind of like last year where we thought they were a lot better over the second half of last year, and then they just punted on the run game against Oklahoma State? Obviously, that's not an option um, yeah. on, on Saturday night. They're going to have to run the ball, but I do think this defensive line is still gettable. As Jamie Uyama from Irish Sports Daily pointed out, when you take out sacks, Florida State rushed for 227 and 7.1 yards per carry, and, and Syracuse also averaged 6.5 yards per carry against them without sacks. They've been out-leveraged in the run game at times, and we'll see how Notre Dame uh, adjusts to that, but I, I'm really interested to see that. Um, hey, if Notre Dame runs the ball, I don't know, 44 times for 295, you got, uh, you got 6.7 yards per carry, I'd take that. Uh, am I speaking that into existence? Maybe, but that's that's maybe what it's going to take. You're going to have to be able to run the ball effectively and, and just have some of these drives. Not that it's it's not, and it's kind of interesting because I think when you think of Notre Dame having some success in the run game, it sounds weird to say this, but that Alabama playoff game, that was really designed to keep the Alabama offense off the field. I don't think you're like desperate to keep the Clemson offense off the field in this one, but that's still your best approach to winning the game, which is kind of why I've had an issue with some of this narrative, Notre Dame's game plan against Ohio State. Oh, well, they played not to lose, or they played not to get blown out. The fact remains, they're a running team. Like, that's their identity. They're leaning into that. And that Ohio State game, like, Ohio State still had the ball for almost 70 plays. It's not like they didn't have their chances on offense. So I know the analytics people are not going to like this, but you're going to have to run the damn ball. (laughs) No, but that's a good point about Notre Dame's game plan because I don't think it's going to be anything like what we saw against Ohio State where Notre Dame was playing keep away because I don't think they're nearly as afraid of Clemson's offense as they were with Ohio State. And for good reason, Ohio State's offense is way better than this Clemson one. So for Notre Dame, uh, the way I look at it, I think they have to break tendencies. Like they have to run the ball, no doubt. But you have to do things early on that are maybe you just haven't done a lot. You haven't put a lot of tape out there. The one that comes to mind immediately was that game against Clemson in 2020. Tommy Reese broke tendency a lot in that game, especially early on. It looked like he was kind of emptying out the kitchen sink, and maybe that had a maybe that had a lot to do with why when they played again in that same year, Clemson just completely dominated them. But I think in this game, Notre Dame's going to have to throw the ball a little bit on first down, not run trick plays necessarily, but do things differently. They like to get uh, pretty active with motion, different formations, movement at the line of scrimmage, all of that. I think Notre Dame needs to do that, and I think they will, honestly, so that when they do run the ball in obvious running situations, at least they're giving a different look to a Clemson defensive line or defensive front seven that knows that Notre Dame wants to run. Right. 
if you can, um, I don't know if there are contact lenses made for these, but where you can't look at the same spot for more than four seconds, if we can do that so that Pine doesn't just stare Mayer down. Um, if there's any op- optometrists out there listening to this, let me know if we can get that to, to the locker room by Saturday. That might be a little bit above their pay grade. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get into the questions here. We got a bunch of these. This first one, this one is like a, a dual question because they're asking similar things. Uh, from at Michael Benello. Although we still have USC to end the year, this game is the feeling of making or breaking the season. What can we expect from the home crowd on Saturday? Will it be hostile or does Clemson invade? And then we got another question from at Sean underscore O'Brien seven. Do you truly believe we hold a chance of winning? I think we could get that out of the way. Yes. Also, will the environment impress recruits? So what do you think the environment is going to be like on Saturday night? Obviously you will be there. I'm not sure what to expect from the crowd. Um, I will say that truthfully, I think the atmosphere on game day, so that's including tailgate lots, not necessarily the game, it's really been fantastic at every game this year with the exception of the in-game setting against Stanford, which, as I talked about, was dead. But I thought UNLV in the stadium was good. I thought Marshall was good. I thought Cal was good. And I thought the tailgates were fantastic. And listen, this is a night game. It's a game that people have had circled for really two-plus years when most people were not allowed to go to the 2020 game. So it should be raucous. Clemson does travel well, and I know um, a handful of Tiger fans personally who will be there. I asked, are there a lot of people coming? And they said, yeah, I think so. But I, I don't anticipate this being close to a Georgia or even Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati is probably the one that rubs me the wrong way the most just because like, that was kind of a little brother taking over the stadium, um, and I really did not like that at all. It was pretty embarrassing. But the other reason I kind of think that is the game is officially a sellout now. But it wasn't a sellout until this morning, so that leads me to believe that maybe not as many Clemson fans bought tickets as we think, and hopefully that's Notre Dame fans scooping up those last-minute tickets after the last two weeks. That could just be optimistic, but I I do expect there to be a lot of Clemson fans in South Bend. Hopefully they won't take over this stadium. As much shit as we give Notre Dame fans, and particularly the older fans in the crowd during home games, who are a little bit stuck up and you know completely drain the life out of home games, I actually can't fault the crowd for being dead during that Stanford game because mm-hmm. I was dead inside as I was watching it. So I'm Same. not surprised that that translated into the crowd. Uh, but Notre Dame fans, they can get really loud, especially during these games. Like we've seen it. And I think what's frustrating is we just wish that could be every home game and it's not and whatever. That's a conversation for another podcast. But in games like this, I think Notre Dame's crowd has shown up, at least the ones who do. I don't think it's going to be a situation like Georgia or Cincinnati where it's all red because Georgia fans, I mean, they're a different breed. And Cincinnati fans, it's a season of a lifetime for them. So they all made the trip up to South Bend and they took over the stadium and embarrassed Notre Dame. I think there's going to be a good contingent of Clemson fans there, Um, maybe like 70-30 Notre Dame. And I think what's going to suck, though, is on TV and even in, in person it's always against teams with a very obnoxious color. Like the Clemson orange is going to stick out a lot on TV. So even if there weren't that many fans there, I think the presence will certainly be felt. But overall, I, I have high expectations for the Notre Dame crowd in this one. I do too. And I don't know if this is something that I've ever said on here, but I think that sometimes we maybe rip on the crowd a little bit too much and try to compare it to other atmospheres because what our experience is is going to – 
away games and Notre Dame is featured in. So, of course, all those fans are fired up for that. It's a cool atmosphere. If you go to a Georgia-Samford game, I bet it's not quite the same. Like, it's it's things like that, right? Um, and so we'll see what Saturday looks like. This is a big one for Notre Dame fans. I expect them to, to show up and, and be loud. And as for the recruiting impact, I mean, there's going to be some big-time guys there. I saw Bryant Young's son, um, who's a big 2025 recruit, I think, will be there. Uh, Notre Dame's obviously a leader for him right now. Peyton Bowen, the guy that I mentioned earlier, he'll be there. I'm sure CJ Carr will be there. Uh, this is a really good opportunity for Notre Dame to, to leave an impression on recruits. Without a doubt, and I think we should highlight Peyton Bowen a little bit more real quick. He, after Keon Keeley decommitted from this class, uh, Peyton Bowen became the clear best player in this recruiting class. He's the only five-star Notre Dame has committed right now. He's been flirting publicly, <laughs> I would say, with uh, Oklahoma and Texas A&M. People have been saying he's going to flip for months and months, uh, but he hasn't yet. And I think that means something. And the fact that him and his younger brother, who is also a big-time recruit, I think he's a sophomore, so a couple ways away. If Notre Dame can uh, make a really good impression here, they should be able to hopefully uh, close out their 2023 class with Peyton Bowen on board. All right, what's our next question? This is from Frank Starcevic. Do you think the offensive line will dominate? So we've already kind of alluded to this. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame is going to dominate because Clemson's defensive line is just too good. They're too talented and they're too deep for Notre Dame to just completely bowl them over for you know 60 minutes. But I think it's a great opportunity because the last time Notre Dame played a defensive line of this caliber was Ohio State. It didn't really go nearly as well in that matchup. Now, granted, Jarrett Patterson was hurt that game, and that, that had a huge impact on the game. But if Notre Dame is able to win this matchup, and if they're able to do so pretty handedly, I would say that's a huge, huge statement about that group and really the offense at large because you're right. They haven't always delivered in games like this. Right. Dominate? I'm not sure. Do I expect them to play well? I, I do. And like I said earlier, it's a really big test for them. You go back. Last eight years, haven't done that well against great competition. So I think it will be a huge test. Um, I do expect them to play well and, and give Notre Dame the opportunity to run the ball and, and give Drew Pine the chance to hit some shots. They'll give him some time, but we'll see what happens Saturday night. All right, this next question is uh, my favorite that we got, and this is just for you, Luke. This is from at McMurph7. Luke, are you going to visit the Mulligan site on Friday with some bevs to recreate the good juju? Yeah, so thanks, Cole Murphy, for this one. I, I can't really hadn't considered that, but I don't think I have a choice now. You Actually, don't. as we're, as, we're, <laughs> as we're recording this, I just got a text from one of the Waitula brothers with the Mulligans t-shirt saying, I'm bringing this for good luck this weekend. So a lot of people are thinking about this. I was not, but now it's really all I can think of. So yeah, it's kind of just a hole in the ground now. So maybe I'll just pour some beer into that hole, but I got to figure that out. But I'm just like on the ashes of, of the old Mulligans. <laughs> but I think I, think I got to figure something out there. Yeah, you got to bring the drill back. Uh, do you want to explain to our newer listeners what the drill is real quick? Or what it used to be? Yeah, so... Uh, when Notre Dame was on its 26-27 game winning streak at home, whatever it was, uh, we would go to Mulligan's at 2.15 for last call and do a beer and a shot. We started doing that at the start of that winning streak and kept doing it. It was really – it that kept me going to South Bend so many weeks as I did, not even really the game some weeks, just because I had to do my part. And uh, ever since Pat Mulligan sold the bar, Notre Dame has not been quite as good at home, so might have to recreate that magic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence either. What do we got next? All right, this is from at J Pulte four. Almost seems like more of a statement than a question. It is a, a question statement, mark. Yeah. but it says QB change will come this game. 
Yeah, definitely missed uh, the question aspect, but I will say this. Uh, unless Drew Pine has a, I don't even know, Brandon Wimbush in Miami performance, and even then, I don't know, I I would be shocked if we saw Angeli in this game, barring injury to Pine, because it's just totally unrealistic to me to expect a true freshman quarterback in Steve Angeli to be thrown into this environment against a great defense and perform well. I get it. Pine can be incredibly frustrating to watch, but unless it goes really, really, really bad, I don't think we're going to see Angeli, nor should we. No, uh, unless there's a pass from Big Mitch Evans out of the Mitchapalooza package, no, no way, not ever. I don't see that. But that could happen. No, can we predict that right now? I think it's going to happen. I think the reason they've been showing it so often, they're talking about it publicly, there has to be a playoff that, and I think it's coming this Saturday. Well, Clemson might know it now, too, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, you heard it here first. Um, all right, let's get to our next one. This one comes from Mark Kowalik. Uh, why is Chris Tyree not getting Matt Salerno's reps? No way he's not a better receiver. The Tyree piece is a bit puzzling, as we touched on here before. I'm not sure if he's banged up or what, but the guy we saw the first three, four games of the year does not look like the guy we've been seeing lately. Granted, I think it was the Stanford game, right? Or was it the uh, UNLV game where he just was missed on on a touchdown? He was wide open um, in the end zone on on kind of that same play he scored on in the Fiesta Bowl. UNLV, um, yeah. But he, he looks a little bit banged up. I, I don't know. I, I would kind of agree that I'm seeing Matt Salerno on the field way too often, but that just might be where Notre Dame's at right now. But I just don't really know what's going on with Chris Tyree. It's, it's weird because – in that Fiesta Bowl that you mentioned, and even the Cal game, I felt like Tyree was getting the ball in situations that were more advantageous to him than what we've seen lately. Like, he should not be running in between the tackles ever. And I see Mark's point here, putting him at receiver. Uh, I would disagree with the notion that Tyree is a better, like, pure wide receiver than Matt Salerno, because that's not his position, and uh, Salerno's spending all of his time running routes and doing that. So, I wouldn't put Tyree in, in the slot and say, hey, you're a wide receiver now, make it work. But I would like to see Notre Dame get Tyree more involved in like short passing game or even like running routes out of the backfield because Notre Dame has not run a lot of 21 personnel with two backs uh, as of late. Now, again, maybe they're saving this for Clemson. Uh, if they were saving it for Clemson, maybe they should have shown it against Stanford, but that's a different aside. Uh, but I do think that we'll see him more involved in a way that's uh, more conducive to his game on Saturday. Fair enough. Uh, next one from Luke Dennehy. If you could pick one player to sub on the team versus Clemson, who would it be? No QBs. And his estimate, the breakout <laughs> player of the year so far, despite the fumbles. Okay, so initially when I saw this, I did not – I missed the no QBs part. Yeah, but. and I also <laughs> read it as sub out. So, um. <laughs> Okay, well, I think we know who's getting subbed out. Yeah. Um, okay, if I could pick one player to sub on the team, I'll say this wasn't specified, but we'll say in recent years. Uh, I mean, Ian Book is going to be in the crowd on Saturday. I would sacrifice my right arm for Ian Book to suit up in the blue and gold uh, one more time and play on Saturday. But if we're not going QBs, that's pretty tough, actually. I, I This one, I thought about it for a bit. Maybe Will Fuller, just because... Notre Dame needs someone on the outside to, to try to take advantage of this. Now, obviously, Pine would have to get him the ball, but I used to love when Notre Dame would run Fuller on those little tunnel screens that he'd break off because he was so fast. So I'd say Fuller or maybe Kyle Hamilton. 
Um, as for Estime, I think he's, yeah, he's pretty clearly the breakout player of the year so far. And Audric Estime would not be on Notre Dame if Will Shipley had committed to Notre Dame over Clemson. So sort of a weird full circle moment that we'll see on Saturday. Definitely. Um, yeah, so I think you could have guessed who I would have subbed out. So I'm not going to touch on that. But I actually am going to say Michael Floyd here just because he's a little bit of a different receiver. Uh, he obviously, he does have that outside or did have that outside ability. But I think... That's actually probably a great target for Drew Pine just because he's more like Michael Mayer where you can just force it into him and he can make <laughs> some things happen. So I think I'm, I would say Michael Floyd. Floyd was also such a good blocker, too. Yeah. We haven't had a blocking wide receiver like him. Him and uh, who was uh, Skylar Diggins' husband. He was a wide receiver slash tight end, Daniel Smith. Yep. yep. He was a good blocker, too. Uh, I don't think we'll need him on Saturday, though. Okay, this one uh, comes from at John underscore Ryan underscore 21. Uh, will J.D. Bertrand get a targeting penalty? By God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you combine uh, J.D.'s suspensions from the targeting penalties, he's played in seven games, and he's had three targeting penalties. Uh, one, was, one was reversed, but if we're going by the numbers here, there's a 43% chance he gets one called on Saturday. So I, I guess we'll just see. But that would not be good for Notre Dame. And he still leads the team in tackles despite that. So <laughs> go figure. Uh, um, all right, this next one comes from at Raj underscore Kandari. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I apologize. Uh, question is, Clarence Lewis is in my art class. Does he strike you as a good painter? Love to hear thoughts. No, he strikes me as a great personal tax accountant with a name like Clarence. Uh, that's why we've been calling Clarence Lewis CPA if you're new to the program. We've been calling him that since 2020 uh, because I just said I, I don't want a cornerback named Clarence. Uh, and if you're a parent and you name your kid Clarence, there's like a 95% chance he's going to be a dork and get bullied because, I mean, have you seen 8 Mile? Papa Doc still hasn't recovered from the diss about his real name. That being said... Credit to Clarence Lewis because he's one of the 5% of Clarences who beat the stereotypes and probably wasn't made fun of that much as a kid uh, because he was definitely the best athlete out of that group. So not a painter, more of an accountant. I mean, I, th- I feel like art's a pretty dorky thing, so I, I, could, I could see <laughs> it too. I don't know. I don't know. Why not? He could be a good painter. I have no idea. All right. Uh, this one comes from our social media intern. Shout out Claire DeMeo. Will Lorenzo Styles coach P-Dub flag football to victory for a second year in a row? I feel like P-Dub usually has a pretty strong team, so um, it sounds like they won it last year. Shout out to them. I think they've kind of been uh, the standard in that league from what I can recall, though you might have (laughs) other takes, so I don't see there's any reason why not. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to the Purple Weasels of P-Dub. I actually used to coach P-Dub flag football my senior year with the greatest flag football coach to ever walk through Notre Dame uh, in Willis, Pencil, along with a few others in Pat Falkenberg, Chris Flood. Uh, and Jack Gorman, we actually might have had more coaches show up uh, to games than players sometimes, which might be why we only won like two games that year. Uh, but oh, shout maybe out, not the standard. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if there is a standard, it might have changed after we left. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. But one one funny thing about that season is is we were not very good. And then out of nowhere in the first playoff game, we were in it until the very end and then lost a heartbreaker to the team who eventually won the championship in the stadium, so I'm happy that P-Dub was able to sort of right their wrongs and get things back on track. So, yeah, I'm going to say, yes, Lorenzo Styles will coach them to victory. All right, uh, next one, Nick Waitula. Any update on the campus parking situation? 
I'll leave it up to you. I haven't been around Canvas in a long time, but I I heard it's gotten worse. There's a lot of construction going on, so just inevitably that causes more issues. But I have not gotten a response back from the administration or Pete Sampson on what they're doing about parking. So it um, doesn't seem like there's really uh, any anything going on there. Um, there's clearly a lot of action items. They don't really seem to have a sense of urgency there. So it's going to continue to persist as long as I see it. I, I don't see this getting any better anytime soon. Yeah, I've been a little too focused on my parking tickets out here in L.A. It's People talk about the traffic. The real issue is uh, the parking. I just got my sixth last week or something ridiculous like that. All right, our last one comes from at Rue618. How much does ND win by? Which I think is a perfect segue into our score prediction. So, Luke, lead us off. So, um, I got there. Um, I think they're going to win this game. <laughs> it's going to be 27-23 Irish. That's a four-point victory. I think the defense is going to play really well. Um, I, I think that the offense will be able to move the ball, and there might be a couple frustrating drives where we have to settle for three. But I think special teams is going to play a major part in this game, which I haven't even really talked about. But I think Blake Groupie is going to hit some field goals. John Sott's going to play the field position game. And I think I think there's going to be a block punt. I do. I think we're going to get a massive block punt to sway this game, and I think that that is ultimately going to be the difference in this one. Irish win 27-23, beat a top five team at home, and uh, we moved to 6-3. and three. Yeah, uh, I got there as well. Didn't think I would, but I did. Uh, I'm taking Notre Dame 30-27. to 27. The only consistent thing about Notre Dame this season is that they have shown up in big games, and Notre Dame hasn't been blown out at home since 2010 against Stanford. So I definitely don't think that's going to happen. I do think it's going to be a close game. And talent-wise, outside of the quarterback position, I don't think Clemson is that much more talented than Notre Dame. Now, obviously, that quarterback position is going to be very important, but I'm really hopeful that Drew Pine can give us something on Saturday. He doesn't have to do a ton. He doesn't have to do what Ian Book did in 2020, but can he just do enough to keep Notre Dame in it and then let everyone else do the rest? And I think they will. I think the defense will step up big. Special teams will step up big as well, like you mentioned. And I think Notre Dame is going to finally catch a couple breaks this season. We haven't had a bunch of those go our way. I think they'll get a couple on Saturday, and Notre Dame is going to pull out uh, with a win late. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing it. I'm very, very excited about this game. And I, I actually wasn't sure that I'd get to this point, given the bad losses, but I am, and I'm pumped. Yeah, I, I'm jacked up. Um, we didn't even talk about this. The weather could be a factor. Uh, yeah. It's... It's, it's actually going to, I think, just be harder on tailgaters, not re- really the players, because I think it'll be pretty dry. That, those are the time. true heroes of game weekend. Let's be yeah, because it's, it's, it is absolutely beautiful in Chicago. It has been all week. It's 70 degrees in November right now, sunny. Um, looks like Saturday. It's going to be in the 60s, but potential for some rain uh, and some serious wind. Looks like the rain will die down by game time, but... If the wind is still there, that could impact the passing game as well. So we'll see. I've uh, got to figure out how I want to dress on Saturday still just to to deal with different potential clothing options throughout the day. But that's really my only big concern about Saturday. Yeah. 40-mile-an-hour winds, that's heavy. What? How bad yeah. does it get in Chicago? With the wind? Yeah. Oh, really bad. Really, really like bad. Over 40? Uh, I don't know. I don't measure. I'm not a wind measurer, but it's like I don't. I don't know what the difference is between 40 and 25. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's but. a good point. I saw that. My first thought was, could Drew Pine even throw the ball 40 miles an hour? But that's mean. We're not doing that. All right, you got any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No. Let's uh, let's get a W.
All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Sun Saturday Irish. We will be back early next week to discuss everything that happens in the game on Saturday. In the meantime, please subscribe to the show and enjoy the game on Saturday. It should be it should be a fun one. For Luke Smith and myself, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will talk to you in a few days. Go Irish. Go Irish.